0: Today's reading comes from Luke chapter two, verses twenty-two to forty. That's Luke chapter two, verses twenty-two to forty. When the time came for the purification rites required by the law of Moses, Joseph and Mary took them to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord, as it is written in the law of the Lord: Every firstborn male is to be consecrated to the Lord. To the gentiles and the glory of your people israel charles father and mother marveled at what was said about him and simeon blessed him and said to mary his mother this child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in israel and to be a sign that be spoken against so the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed and a sword will pierce your own soul too. There was also prophet Anna, the daughter of Peniel, of the tribe of Asher. She was very old. She had lived with her husband seven years after her marriage, and then was a widow until she was 84. She never left the temple, but worshipped night and day, fasting and praying. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to
1: God. I wonder how good you are at waiting. Um, if you've had children in your Christmas bubble over the past couple of days, uh, you may have seen uh, how we're not so good at waiting. Um, uh, 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 how uh, excited they get at the presents that are under the tree. I can't, I can't wait to open it. I can't, ooh, I, can't, I can't sit still. There it is just under the tree. I want it so badly. But they've got to wait. They got to wait until Mum and dad says it's, it's time. Um, that's the kids. The, the adults, I guess, aren't, aren't often much better. Um, how quickly we are, as soon as we've clicked on that um, Amazon uh, Prime delivery, where is it? Where is it? How many stops away? Uh, why is it not here yet? Or the impatience uh, that, that, that I've certainly felt in long post office queues uh, this Christmas. We're not very good at waiting Uh, And yet the New Testament time and again describes Christians as a waiting people. And we are waiting for God to fulfill all of his promises. Uh, We're waiting for Jesus to return. So how good are you at waiting? How can we we wait well when everything in our culture is about, about getting things as quickly as possible, about reducing waiting time Well, our passage um, today introduces two people, um, two people who have learned how to wait. And they are waiting for Jesus to come at the first time. And so they teach us what it means. uh, They teach us something about what it means to wait and to wait well. Uh, Let's meet them. Uh, Our first point simply is that Simeon and Anna were waiting Here we are introduced uh, to these people in verse 25. Now, there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was on him. And then Anna down in verse uh, 36. There was also a prophet, Anna, the daughter of Penuel, of the tribe of Asher. She was very old. She had lived with her husband seven years after her marriage and then was a widow until she was 84. She never left the temple, but worshiped night and day, fasting and praying. We're not told a whole lot about these two. It's the only mention they get in the Bible. And yet we're told just enough to know what mattered at most to them. Simeon, righteous and devout. Anna, always in the temple, worshiping, fasting and praying. See, while most other people uh, in their day were, were going about their normal lives, We're doing the the regular things that uh, that, that keep happening. Well, they were different. They loved God and they were waiting for his promises to be fulfilled. They were waiting for something better. And we're told three things they were waiting for. They were waiting for comfort, for the Messiah and for redemption. Firstly, then they were waiting for comfort Verse 25, Simeon was waiting for the consolation of Israel. Um, what, what does that mean? It's a funny phrase, consolation of Israel. Um, when we're thinking consolation, don't think consolation prize, you know, the sort of packet of crisp and um, re-gifted Christmas gift for second place. No, no consolation is, is much more than that. Consolation is about, is about an embrace, is about uh, comfort, and um, consolation here, the consolation of Israel is the comfort that God had promised his people um, in places like Isaiah 40, where he said this, comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and proclaim to her that her hard service has been completed, that her sin has been paid for, that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. See, consolation for God's people was when God would, would finish his judgment and instead would come to heal and restore life to his people. Consolation. It's um, a bit like if you know the story of Derek Redmond. Um, Derek Redmond was a, a, a British sprinter at the 1992 Olympic Games. Um, and in the semifinals, he was um, hurtling down the back straight when he tore his hamstring. Of course, unable uh, to, to keep running. But he was determined to finish uh, the race. And so he hobbled on uh, with about 200 metres uh, still to go with a torn hamstring. And off in the distance, a um, uh, very famous video, you see, you see his dad, uh, who's also his coach, uh, bursting onto the track, sort of fighting past uh, the marshals uh, to get to his son. And he manages to get there and, and puts his arm around him and supports him and helps carry him over the finish line. See, that's, that's consolation, that kind of comfort, that gets you to the end. See, God's people, they're hobbling, they're broken. And they've been turning away from God. They're oppressed by their enemies. And they need God to come and bring his comfort to carry them to the finish line. So it's Simeon and are waiting for comfort. They're also waiting for the Lord's Messiah, verse 26. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. He was waiting for God's anointed king. The only king that the people had in those days was was Herod, uh, the sort of puppet king uh, of the Roman oppressors. But when the Messiah comes, well, he will rule the people with justice and righteousness. That's what they were waiting for. And they're also waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem. Verse 38. Coming up to them at that very moment, Anna gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. It's a few years now since, uh, since the film 12 Years a Slave. Uh, the extraordinary true, true story of, of Solomon Northrup. Uh, he was a, a businessman, a wealthy businessman in the North uh, part of the United States. And yet his whole life was turned upside down when he was kidnapped and transported to the South and sold as a slave. And there are many um, extraordinary scenes in that film, uh, but, but the most extraordinary I think is, is the one where um, his former business partner has managed to, to trace him, has, has worked out where, um, where he is and comes uh, to buy him out of slavery comes and says, this is not a slave, this is a free man. And Solomon Northrop is able to walk back uh, to to freedom. See, that's redemption. That's redemption to, to, um, to to have the price paid to win back your freedom, to be purchased at a price so that you might enjoy life and freedom. That's what God's people were waiting for. That's what Simeon and Anna were waiting for: comfort, the Messiah and redemption. It's a huge um, amount to wait for. And no wonder they, they, waited, uh, they waited for it with such eagerness, waited for God to fulfill these promises. <clears throat> now our, our waiting isn't the same as theirs, is it? And we have the privilege of living this side of Jesus' work of his life, death and resurrection. And all the things in many sense that they were waiting for. But we are also waiting for God to fulfill all of his promises. Jesus is coming again to comfort his people. When he will destroy sin and death forever. Jesus is coming again to reign as God's Messiah King. To deal with injustice. Jesus is coming again to bring his redeemed people to be with him forever. If we trust Christ now, we have a little taste of that, but we don't have it all. And so we wait. And that can be hard, can't it? When, When the world feels like it's falling apart, when so often we're just trying to get through the next day, when disappointment and uncertainty are everywhere, But what if we let those hardships, those real hardships, what if we let them focus our attention, not on this world, but on what we're waiting for? If the brokenness of our world, of our own lives, made us long for Jesus' return more. Simeon and Nana were waiting. We too are waiting. And the second thing we'll see, that we see here is that Jesus is the one we are waiting for. I wonder if you've um, experienced something uh, like this this Christmas. Um, under the tree is the one present that little Johnny can't take his eyes off. And um, little Johnny could be seven or 27. It, it works either way. And um, the present is beautifully wrapped, uh, shiny paper, a beautiful bow on the top. He can't wait to unwrap it. It's just the right shape and size for the thing he really wants, the PlayStation 5. And so when the big day comes and he goes straight for that one, he tears open the wrapping paper, fumbles to open the box to discover, well, a pair of these Christmas oven gloves. Oh, how disappointing. All of that waiting, all of that anticipation to be met by the usual Christmas tat. Now now picture a different scene. Um, The noisy packed temple of Jerusalem. Um, Certainly no social distancing here. Um, And among the crowd uh, and the bustle uh, is one family. And the the couple have have that slightly startled look of of new parents as they fight their way through the crowd. They are in many ways unremarkable. No one uh, would have taken particular notice of them. they're a poor family. They've come to offer um, the sort of bargain option uh, in terms of the offering required uh, to two doves, two pigeons instead of a lamb. And yet this unremarkable family for those who are waiting for God's promises to be fulfilled. This family changes everything. All of that waiting, all of those expectations and promises and prophecies And now as this old man walks towards this family and takes the baby in his arms, as Simeon looks down at the baby Jesus, he knows that Jesus is the one that he has been waiting for. Here is God come to comfort his people. Here is God's king. Here is the redemption of God's people. Here he is. Look down again at, at verse 24, 28, sorry. Simeon took him in his arms and praised God saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. Simeon gets it. All that he's been waiting for. Here is God's salvation in the flesh, here is the light of revelation to the Gentiles, so that all people might see and know God. Here is the glory of God's people, all that they have been waiting for, found in Him. There is no, there is no disappointment here. There is no unmet expectation. Here is the gift that is way better um, than all the best Christmas gifts put together. Here's the gift that we really want and really need. Here's the baby in whom all of God's promises meet. But of course, that, that doesn't mean that everything will be perfect straight away. See what Simeon says next in verse 33. The child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, this child is destined to cause the rising and falling of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed and a sword will pierce your own soul too. See, Jesus coming will, will expose hearts and divide families. And the words that he speaks will cause some to stumble even as they bring life to others. They're two sides of the same coin. When he calls people to repent, and believe the good news. When he says that to follow him, you must deny yourself, lay down your life and follow him. When he attacks the self-righteous religious and instead welcomes sinners. See, some people will hear and trust him and be given life, but others will harden their hearts to what he says. Some will speak against him, as their hearts are revealed. And, and a sword will, will pierce Mary's soul, and that is pointing us forward to what Jesus ultimately came to do in dying on the cross, the price that Jesus would pay to redeem his people. He is the suffering servant. I wonder what it, what it must have been like um, after a lifetime of waiting to see the one in whom God's promises were fulfilled. I guess Simeon and Anna went home uh, that day with, with a real sense of contentment and extraordinary joy that all they'd been waiting for had now come. It's so the, the, the kind of quiet contentment, the quiet joy that, that you might get Um, at the end of of a Christmas day gone well. And when everything uh, has gone exactly to plan, you know, no no disasters in the kitchen, uh, no fights over the the board game, uh, no arguments uh, among the family. When the kids are happily playing uh, with their new toys and you get to sit back uh, with a glass of something now, I, I don't think many of us will have got there uh, over the past couple of days, but you can imagine how it would feel. Well, here is a joy uh, that each of us can know whether we had a great Christmas or a horrible one. See, even Simeon and Anna, didn't, they didn't see the full impact of the coming of this king, but we can see that. We have what they were waiting for and the comfort of knowing God's forgiveness. The joy of living with Jesus as King. The assurance that Jesus' death has redeemed us and paid for our sins. And so uh, uh, as, we, as we draw to a close, here are two implications for us. Two implications. I think this passage recalls to, to worship Jesus and to wait for him, to worship and to wait, to worship him. In a year when so many things have been hard, well, we do know that Jesus has come. He's come to be light, to be our comfort, to save and redeem us so that we can live with God forever. So trust him, praise him, marvel at him and all that he has done and why not take uh, some time this week uh, before maybe you're, you're back at work, before the craziness uh, whatever January has in store, uh, w- before that all kicks off. Why not take some time just to stop and to remember what Jesus has done. His work on our behalf and all the joy that brings for us. Remind, remind yourself how good it is uh, to follow him the one in whom all of God's promises are yes. Worship him and wait for him. I mean, it it can feel at the minute like the only thing that that we're waiting for is the end of this pandemic. Uh, And that that will be wonderful, won't it? Uh, When we're able to meet with family and friends again without having to work out whether we're breaking the law or not. Uh, when we're able to, to gather in church again and sing God's praise. But, but we are waiting uh, for something much, much greater than even those things. Uh, we are waiting for Jesus to come back. And as we do that, we, uh, as we wait, we cling to God's promises. We determine to live differently uh, to those around us. We trust that he is coming back and we pray come Lord Jesus. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we praise you that the Lord Jesus is coming back, that we wait for him. We thank you that in him are all, uh, all your promises are fulfilled. Father, we praise you for the glimpse of that we have now, the experience of that we have now in the forgiveness of sins. And yet we long for the day when he will return. Father, at the end of this crazy year, please help us to worship him rightly and please help us to wait for him. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.